ready? <coughs> All right, we are going to finish up the beginning of the book of Daniel tonight. So the precepts at the beginning of the book of Daniel divides into two parts. Practical part that gets across the concept of what it looks like to have someone who has a life of purity and purpose um, driven to follow the Lord and shows the contrast between that and different attitudes of pride and why that's important because we're going to see from 7 on God pour out some incredible prophecies to Daniel. And Daniel's heart was a heart that was able and willing to receive uh, as God's prophet to deliver this message to you and I from the Lord. But it was because he had a life that was pure and purposeful. And he made that decision in the beginning. A lot of times we think this way. We think, you know, I remember when I was young. I will be a Christian when I get older. As I'm young, I'd like to have my fun. I want to do the stuff I want to do. And then when I get older, you know, and I'm a fuddy-duddy and I think fun is horrible, then I will become a Christian those days. But Daniel, his life was a life of purity and purpose from the beginning. As a teenager, he decided that he was not going to be defiled by the influence of the world but he wanted to focus on his relationship with the Lord God Almighty. And you see that lifestyle brought into reflection with Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Cyrus, and Darius. So we see this relationship, no matter what the culture around Daniel is like, when he starts as a young man, the culture was Jerusalem, was a little different. Then he is taken and, and uh, made into a eunuch, and he's brought to Babylon. Culture's different. Then Babylon's conquered by the Medo-Persian army, and the culture's different. But it didn't matter what happened in the culture, because Daniel had purposed in his heart he was following the Lord. And he did it from an early age, and he, he, his life... He stayed consistent in that overall goal. And chapter 6 is a bit of a culmination of that. Chapter 6, Daniel's 82 years old. His, his time's almost done. The chronology of the life of Daniel is, is almost to its end. We saw last week Belshazzar see the kingdom of Babylon conquered by the Medo-Persians because he partied all night and... Uh, most of the city didn't even know what was going on. We see Cyrus set up uh, a governor, if you will, a, a lesser king over Babylon called Darius the Mede. Gubaru was his general that he placed in that position. Gubaru, I believe Gubaru is Darius the Mede. There are others who think it's just another name for Cyrus. Uh, I believe historically Cyrus went other places to deal with other issues. He's going to come back and he'll take that role. But in the meantime, when he left, he left Gubaru, who took the title, Darius, whose, uh, whose parents were Medo. He's part of the Median Empire. And so he's left there. Now, Daniel, it says, we see what's going on with Daniel. We, we come into the, the third group. So he was part of royalty in Jerusalem. 
He was raised up by Nebuchadnezzar to be part of the leading the council of his wise men. And now we see this next kingdom uh, where uh, Darius the Mede has recognized his wisdom and made him one of the governors. So we'll look at it. It says in verse 1, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps would give account so that the king might suffer no loss. So all of this is an issue of stewardship. Now there's a, a high king, if you will, that's Cyrus. He'll be back on the scene later. Cyrus is the high king. Below him, Darius the Mede. Darius the Mede divides the government there over the kingdom of the Medo-Persian Empire uh, under 120 satraps and three governors, three rulers over those 120 that would then uh, uh, bring whatever was going on through those other regions to the king so that, the, so that everything in the kingdom ran smoothly. So that when Cyrus shows up and says, hey, how's everything going? Darius is able to say, good. Not, oops, we, we lost part of the kingdom last week. That'd be bad, right? So he has this set up. Now, verse 3 tells you where the problem is. Look at verse 3. He says, then Daniel came, uh, became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. So the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So now Daniel has risen above all those other guys. And the scripture tells us why. Why had that happened? He had an excellent spirit in him. There was something that distinguished Daniel from everybody else. And I would say it is this reality. He did not consider his spiritual life an afterthought. His spiritual life was in the forefront of his mind. And we'll see that as we look at this section. Daniel, from the beginning, from chapter 1, right? He and those three Hebrew youths, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, you remember them, right? They've all purposed in their heart. We're not going to be changed by the culture. We're going to change the culture. We're, we're going to follow God in the midst of all this. We don't want to see all these things shift. And so they purposed in their hearts. And then what do we see happening next? We see the dream in Nebuchadnezzar, right? The pride of Nebuchadnezzar coming up. Daniel able to tell him what the dream means. Why? Because the Lord God showed him. Why? Because he wasn't waiting until that day to seek the Lord. He sought the Lord every day. He prayed every day. He sought him all the time. That was Daniel's normal. It wasn't like he waited to a crisis and then he fell on his knees. <clears throat> he waited until there was a, an issue and then he turned to the Lord. That's not what he does. This is Daniel's practice. And so the rulers around him recognized within him an excellent spirit. Because he did what Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, you know, don't worry about everything like the Gentiles worry about everything. Do this one thing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. 
Daniel is an example of that. This concept, the Bible talks about be, being filled with the Holy Spirit, right? This is a concept that the Bible talks about. We want to be filled with that Spirit. We want to, we want to have an excellent Spirit within us. And the picture there in the New Testament is a picture of God filling the winds of a sail, or the, the, a sail with wind. So if you're on the, on the lake or out on the river in a sailboat or you're out on the ocean and you put up that sail, it does no good unless wind fills it. And it's the same way with the life of a believer. The life of the believer needs to be filled with the wind of the Spirit. And we are filled with the wind of the Spirit because we have purposed in our heart that we want to be following God. It set Daniel apart. In fact, as you would realize, you know, if this happened in any of your jobs, all the people that you were elevated above are going to be jealous, right? They're going to have issue. And so what happens? It says, then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel. So they want a reason why the king shouldn't raise him up. Oh, hey, guys, we got to get together. We got to come up. Daniel's going to get elevated above us. He's going to be our boss. We got to find out. What are the things he's doing wrong? What's the stuff we can bring up against him to the king? And you see what the scripture says. They could find no ground or complaint or any fault. Why? Because he was faithful. You see, when Daniel purposed in his heart to be faithful with God, it also was that matter which equipped him to be faithful to others. He lived a life practicing faithfulness. Being led and empowered by the Holy Spirit, he was able to be a faithful servant to the king. So when they go to get him, hey, let's get him. We're going to come up with something bad. We're going to come up with something that's going to nail him. They can't because he's faithful. Whenever I go through Daniel chapter 6, I think, is, would that be the same for me? If somebody was looking for a fault, oh, we've got to find something to fault Jackie on. Will they, like the faulting of Daniel, say, oh, it's, we've got to fault him in the way he loves God. That's how we're going to have to get him. Or are they going to find something? The Bible challenges us to live lives above reproach, right? Now, we should not focus on how to be above reproach. We should focus on Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you'll find yourself above reproach because you're faithful to God. That will be seen by those around you. No error or fault was found in him. So these men say, well, we won't find any ground or complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Hey, look, we gotta, if we're going to get Daniel, we've got to get him on those things he does all the time. And I think about that. I think about, you know, what they, if somebody was saying, hey, we've got we to gotta get Jackie, they're going to say, well, you know how we get him? We attack him in prayer because he's always praying. He will never stop. Is that what would be said? Because that was what they did when they looked at Daniel. They look at Daniel and they say, we got to get him in connection. Why? Because Daniel lived purely. 
He had a pure life. Why did he have a pure life? Because he pursued God. He had a purposeful life. He purposed in his heart, right? He set his sights. I'm going to do this. And again, and even here, I'm not talking about just self-will. I'm not talking about you waking up in the morning and saying, you know what, I'm going to start a new habit. And I'm going to do a new thing. That's where it starts. But as you pursue God, as you love God, as you reach out to God, he empowers you to reach out to God. But if we just sit around and wait for the pixie dust to land on us and holiness to overcome us, we'll still be waiting years and years and years later. Daniel purposed in his heart. We want to be men and women who will purpose in our heart to live a life of purity, to live a life that's purposeful. I want to be purposeful in my pursuit of God. And one of the great ways we have to do that is what we what we decide to do this New Year's. Every every New Year we do something. We do a fast. We do some way in which we can pursue God. This year we've got one year Bibles, so you can sit down and read your Bible. And the Bible, as a believer, should read the Bible at least once a year. So we sit down and we we purpose in our heart we're going to do it. And you know what? When you do it, what happens? God will empower you by his spirit to continue. We lift our eyes up. We move towards the Lord and he, he will guide us in that place. So what happens with Daniel is his convictions in following the Lord become the point of attack. His convictions become the point of attack from the world against him. So they attack his consistency in prayer. Look at verse 6. Then the high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdoms, the prefects, satraps, counselors, governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction. That whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except you be cast into the den of lions. So the conspiracy begins in a form of manipulation. First they lie. Right? Everybody agrees we should do this. Well, there's at least one person that doesn't agree. Right? But nobody asked him. Nobody asked him. They take their manipulation. They go before the king. And they appeal to the king's pride. How many times have we seen the pride of the king or the pride of the world or the pride of whomever's in opposition to Daniel be the source of that comes against what God's trying to do. The pride of Nebuchadnezzar, the pride of Belshazzar, the pride of Darius. Why is it his pride? Well, Darius, we think you should be God for 30 days. And Darius says, what? That's, what a great idea. I should be God for 30 days. Right? That doesn't seem weird to you? We think you should be God for 30 days. It's weird that there's an end date on that. Because most ancient kingdoms would have said the king is the representative of God on earth. But in this case, they're like, hey, you, you should say you're going to be God for 30 days. So the king, it, it appeals to his pride, right? It appeals to the way he thinks about himself. You know, yeah, I, 
I've done a lot of good for this kingdom, and, and here we are in Babylon, and, and uh, I have all this authority. I, I think this is a good idea. And so because of his pride, the manipulation that they bring, the conspiracy brings, appeals to his pride, and he buys it. So in verse 8 it says, Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. So the Medo-Persian Empire was what we might call a constitutional monarchy. Uh, Babylon was an absolute monarchy, meaning Nebuchadnezzar did whatever he wanted to do. And nobody told him no. A constitutional monarchy, there were other governors beneath the king, and you would seek the majority of the approval of those governors to establish a law, and then once a law was established, you had to do the same thing to revoke it. And so when you, when you come to this, what they're saying is, once they get him to sign the paper, if in 10 minutes after he signs that paper, he realizes the trick, there's nothing he can do. And for the governors, they're like, what do we care? Daniel's going to pray. He's going to get thrown in the lion's den. He'll be gone. The king may be mad, but he's not going to wipe us all out. So one of us will have to get elevated like Daniel. This is their plan. This is what they brought before him. And so as a result, it says in verse 9, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. Now the story shifts. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he went before the Lord and he said, God, would you give me 30 days off? That's not what he did, huh? It doesn't say Daniel didn't know about it. You know what Daniel could have done? Close his windows. Shut his door. But that's not how he did his stuff. Daniel did not separate his worship of God and his pursuit of God from his life. He lived his pursuit of God out loud before the culture. Why did the people know Daniel prayed every day? Because his windows were open and they could see him. Did Daniel close his windows when it was against the law to pray? No. No. It says, when Daniel heard, look what it says. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went into his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem, where he got on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done from early days. This was Daniel's habit. He would go before the Lord every day, three times a day, opening the windows, bowing down toward Jerusalem, looking toward the temple, which he longed for but would never see, not in his lifetime. Under King Cyrus, the, uh, the Jews are going to be released to go back and build the temple. Probably at this time, there are already Jews headed home. Daniel would gather in his upper room every single day and he would open his windows and he would get down on his knees and he would pray. 
we want to recognize he had a place where he went every day. A specific place. Paul would tell us to pray without ceasing. An attitude of prayer ought to be on our lips all day wherever we find ourselves. But what we learn from Daniel is he had a place to go. That doesn't mean Daniel never prayed any other times, does it? But he had a place. And he always set aside time every day to go to that place and pray. A long time ago, somebody, I don't even remember where we got it. Kathy will remember. Somebody told us in terms of strengthening a marriage that we would do something we've called couch time. I don't even remember what it's originally called. But that meant that we would set aside time every single day and a place every single day where we would go to sit and talk. Every single day. So that it would be a habit. Always going to sit and talk. And then when things were sideways, we could always go to that place. Because we practiced communication in that place. We do that for our marriage. We also ought to do that for our pursuit of God. For our pursuit of holiness. My wife has been doing through the Bible, the year of the Bible for like 75 years. Something like that. <laughs> the, she's, a, she's a saint. She has a, she has a place. She has a, a seat. She's got uh, her, her one-year Bible. She's got a set of markers. She's got, she, every day, every single morning, every, this is exactly the same every day. It is her practice. This is what we are suggesting that the whole body learn to do. Make a place. Go to your place. Daniel made a place to pray. His upper room. Not to hide from anybody. Yeah, the windows were open. Then he humbled himself in that place. He got down on his knees. Well, who cares you're down on your knees? Daniel, nobody in the room but you. Matter to Daniel. He took a posture of humility before God. A posture of reverence in prayer. That's what getting on the knees is about. I don't care if you get on your knees. But the, the, the idea is what attitude do you come to God with? You come to God with an attitude of reverence or different? Is it something else? We want to come to God with an attitude of humility and reverence. And Daniel's concern for his people and for the nation uh, challenged him to do this three times every day. Because the children of Israel were in exile... God's rebuilding the nation. Things were as bad as they had ever been. And so Daniel purposed in his heart to pray for his nation three times a day. To go before the Lord three times a day. Three times. I don't know a time it's been worse where we're at. Yeah, sure. It's, it might be worse in other countries. But I'm not in other countries. I'm in this one. Right? Because of his concern, he went before the Lord. He purposed in his heart 
three times a day. And he always went with thanksgiving. He's a eunuch. He was a teenage boy when he was taken. He was never given the opportunity to have a wife, to have children, to have a family. God, God took all that away. No. You don't get any of that. But he wasn't bitter. He wasn't frustrated. He went to the Lord three times every day from the time he was a teenager. Now he's in his 80s. And he is saying, I pray three times a day for my people, for the end of the exile. We'll see it as we go through Daniel. We're going to see his prayers. As we go through Daniel, he had a heart of thanksgiving. This was his habit. Daniel purposed in his heart to have holy habits. He developed holy habits. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm not going to let my spiritual life be an afterthought. I want it to be the forefront of my thinking. That's why in Scripture says we seek the Lord early in the morning. Because He's preeminent. When I seek the Lord at the end of my day, all he gets is what's left. Where in the Bible did God say, you know what, give me what's left. Just give me, give me the worst of your flock. You keep all the best for yourself. Is that what God said? Ever? We give the Lord the first fruits, right? So we are to give the Lord the first fruits of our day. Now you're the only one that knows when that happens for you. I'm not going to tell you it's... It, 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. or 10 a.m. You know when the first fruits of your day happen. You know at what point, if you haven't got something done, it's too late. You know when that is. So set it. Set your holy habits. And make that be a habit so that in your old age, I'm already old. I'm the, I know every time I say that, the older than me people in here go, whatever, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Look. <laughs> I'm like 30 years past what I used to think was old. So we want to set this habit. For the young people that are here, you want to set that habit now. Or you won't walk with the Lord anymore. And on the days that you, you know, should you choose in your young life to say, I'm not going to walk with the Lord anymore. And then when you're older... You're not walking with the Lord anymore. On the day when God calls you home, you're not going to be able to use me as your excuse. <laughs> well, Jackie was a loser. God's going to say, what's that got to do with you? You come and follow me. Isn't that what, isn't that what the Bible tells us? You follow me. Come follow me. Come walk with me. Come be with me. We want to set holy habits in the early days. And, and there's never too late to make a holy habit. To say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my focus. I'm going to finish my race well. Don't finish your race crappy because you, you, were, you lost your way in the middle. And you're like, well, it's over for me. No, it ain't. Finish well. Run hard. 
Paul says, I discipline my body. I bring my body under submission. That's what Paul declared. The language he uses is I beat my body into submission. So that, that, that lays out for us an idea, right, of saying, look, I'm, I, this is a focused effort, a diligence. A diligence to say, I want to, I want to follow what God has for us. So these men came by agreement. They found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. And they came there and said before the king, Oh, king, didn't you sign an injunction? Anyone who makes petition to any other god or man within 30 days except you, O king, should be cast into the den of lions? And the king said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. So they answered and said, Daniel, you know, one of them slaves from Judah. They always have to put that in. One of the exiles, right? One of the slaves. Daniel, he says, Daniel has, uh, uh, Daniel, Daniel has not done this. Where did I, I lost my place. Somebody got to help me. Uh, then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. So Daniel's prayer life condemns him. And King Darius is upset. But he's not upset with Daniel. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. Now the king knows. Oh my gosh, they appealed to my arrogance, my pride, and I was foolish, and I listened, and now Daniel, who I was going to elevate, but my best guy, Daniel's head is on the chopping block. And so... He labored until the sun went down to rescue him. He's trying to think of a way to deliver Daniel from the law that he had written. In verse 15, then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, o king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians. No injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Can't change it. You got to do it, king. So the king commanded, Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. Now, you just need to listen. When they cast you into the den of lions, they did not put you on a little elevator and let you down gingerly with ropes. They threw you in the pit because... They weren't ever planning on taking you out. Do you understand? They never threw someone into the den of lions and then came back and got them out. Oh, good. Oh, okay. Well, you're okay. No, that never happened. The reason you have a den of lions is so you can throw people you don't like in there and the lions eat them. So when you put somebody in the pit, it was not, oh, let somebody get the rope, put them on the, here, here, he's an old man, let's put him down softly. That's not what they done. They pitched him into the pit. And just so you know, they didn't just come by and feed the lions every day. They kept them lions hungry. They kept them hungry so that they would, they would eat whoever they gave them. And so as they're preparing to throw Daniel down in the pit, the king declares to him, 
Daniel, may your God, whom you, con whom you serve continually, deliver you. And then they laid the stone over the hole. So they throw him in, put the stone over the top, no escape, no getting out. You're in the pit with the lions. But the last thing he says, may your God, whom, what did the king, what was the king's witness of Daniel? Whom you serve continually. That ought to be the witness for every believer. When somebody says your name or my name, that they're thinking this is someone who serves the Lord continually. That was the witness of Daniel before his king. May he deliver you. The stones laid over the mouth. The king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. So the law has been fulfilled. The psalmist talks about the delivery, uh, deliverance of God in multiple places. But Psalm 6 says this, Psalm 6 verse 8. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and greatly troubled. They will turn back and be put to shame in a moment. You see, the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know his name put their trust in him. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Our hope, our trust, our faith in him. It says in verse 18, And the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him. Sleep fled, he couldn't sleep. At the break of day, the moment that it was fulfilled, the day is over, uh, the, the light has come, he can go now and open the pit. The moment he could, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And he came near to the den where Daniel was, and he cried out in a tone of anguish. And the, queen, uh, the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Are you okay, Daniel? Are you alive? Are you there? And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. So as soon as you hear those words, you know he's okay, right? O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths. They have not harmed me, because I was blameless before you. Because Daniel was not unfaithful to the king. Because Daniel was not unfaithful to his God. He was a faithful servant to God. He was a faithful servant to the king. I was blameless before you. And before you, O king, I have done no harm. So the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and... No kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Now, there are those people who say there's some trick afoot. Old lions weren't hungry. So just for them, this next part of Daniel is here. Right? So the king commanded that those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. 
This was Medo-Persian law. In Medo-Persian law, if you falsely accused, and, and it was and it was found out that you falsely accused, maliciously went after somebody, if your plan was discovered, that the king had the authority to put you to death. But he never just put them to death. In Medo-Persian law, you killed the whole family. Husband, wife, kids, dogs, pets, cats, the whole thing. Whatever you had, whatever was associated with you, it all died with you. And the, per the point of the law for Medo-Persian was, hey, don't do this. Don't do this. And the, the Bible here is not, it's reporting that those who laid a trap are going to fall into their own trap. That's, we see uh, throughout the book of Proverbs, but the Bible reports on it. What happened? What happened? This is what happened. They threw the whole family in because you know what? When you choose a life that is a life of manipulation or uh, slander or distorting or trying to get ahead of people, you're not only going to destroy you. The, the difference in our world is nobody's going to throw you to the lions. But the kids watch. They hear what you say. They see what you do. And they will follow suit. So he says, hey, let's, let's take these guys and throw them in. So they throw them all in. And they never hit the ground. Sounds like the lions are hungry. Don't it sound like the lions are hungry? It says they never even touched the ground. They threw them in, their children, their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then Darius wrote, he's going to make a proclamation just like Nebuchadnezzar. Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, languages that dwell on the earth. Everybody under the Medo-Persian Empire over which he was ruling received the proclamation. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers. He rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel's life, his, his purposing in his heart to walk in purity before God, his purposing in his heart to walk before the Lord uh, purposefully and purely, became a witness to three different kings, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius the Mede. Three different kings make a proclamation. Daniel's God is God most high. Daniel's God is God most high. Daniel's God is God most high. Because Daniel had the best arguments. Because Daniel was able to, to use apologetics better than anyone else. He had the best philosophical arguments. Is that why everyone proclaimed it? No. Because Daniel lived his faith. He didn't just talk about it. He lived it. 
And because Daniel lived his faith, God was with him. Because Daniel took a road that, that was uh, a hard road to walk, God blessed him along the way. God didn't keep him from the lion's den. God, God didn't keep Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael out of the fire. God doesn't keep us from our trials and tribulations, but he does walk with us through them. He will be our source of strength. He will be our deliverer. He is our stronghold. And may we, like Daniel, be able to say in the end, Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of of Cyrus the Persian. And because Daniel's heart was purposed to follow the Lord his God, because Daniel wanted to live a life pleasing God and following God and being who God wanted him to be, the next six chapters are going to lay out for us some of the most incredible prophecies in Scripture. They're going to be laid out right before us because Daniel followed the Lord with all his heart, and God revealed himself to Daniel in greater and greater ways. If we want to see God revealed in our lives, then we too ought to purpose in our heart to follow the Lord. Don't make your spiritual life an afterthought. Make it the forefront of your thinking. Pursue the Lord God and allow him through the word of God, through your prayer, through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, allow him to reveal himself to you more and more. That you too might know him. Know him. For there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time that we can come together. We thank you for the opportunity to praise your name, God to honor you and glorify you in this place. Lord, we, we want to be men and women who have purpose in our heart to follow you, Lord, to pursue you. The Bible challenges us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus spoke those words. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. May we purpose in our hearts to love you, Lord, to pursue you, Lord, to know you, Lord. So that the culture around us doesn't transform us to be like it. But rather, we become salt and light to the culture around us. Salt and light that would direct people to our great God and Savior. That the world would proclaim, man, look look at the examples. Look at the believers around the world. Look at the, the examples in their lives, the way they live their life. Lord God, you are the true God of gods, King of kings, Lord of lords. Three different kings, two different kingdoms. God used Daniel through them all. God, I pray we would learn the lessons that Daniel lays out for us. So we would accept the challenge and that we would realize that 
we want to finish our race well. We want to run well. We want to pursue you, Lord God, so that you will be glorified in the things we say and the things we do. So the men and women around us may come to know you because of how we follow you. So be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name.